out of Austin, Texas. You're listening to the Unsanctioned Citizen Podcast. Here's your host, Sheila Dean. Good afternoon. It is an overcast afternoon during the last eking part of South by Southwest here in Austin, Texas. Welcome to the Unsanctioned Citizen. Um, today we'll be guest joined by Gregor who I'm sure has just loaded with things to say about the Twitter files and Stanford's virality project. But before I, uh, before I unleash the Kraken here, um, which I do have some audio from, from Matt Taibbi describing and, and unpacking all of this uh, because he unleashed the story earlier this week. Uh, I just wanted to knock out a few other emerging news items that have come about in the last several hours, uh, one of which is that Twitter chief Elon Musk has said that the company would use artificial intelligence, or AI, to detect and highlight manipulation of public opinion on the platform in the coming months. And I guess that's in tandem, you know, biking in tandem with whatever is being uh, unearthed through the, the Twitter files and the method of Twitter files. Uh, as a transparency move. So uh, so that's item number one. The second item is that Donald Trump expects to be arrested. Expects to be arrested as soon as Tuesday next week um, due to a Manhattan probe for crimes. Uh, crimes that he has committed. And uh, I, I don't have any more information on that, but I... I hope that Gregor, who's usually pretty much better versed on direct politics than, than maybe even I am, uh, will we'll weigh in on whether or not uh, this is a, a political trial or if this is just, you know, him trying to get street cred before another election. Um, the other thing, the third, item number three, is an exclusive from Epoch Times. Uh, Jacob Chansley and his lawyer intends to file to vacate his conviction. So, uh, that is something we will be waiting for. So, what does it say? Bill Shipley, the lawyer representing January 6th defendant Jacob Chansley, started the process of requesting the court to vacate Chansley's 41-month sentence next week. Shipley confirmed in an exclusive interview with the Epoch Times on Friday. Shipley said he intends to file a vacate conviction motion pursuant to 28 U.S. Code 2255. Remedies on motion attacking sentence next week. Pending government response to a letter he sent to the DOJ on Friday requesting information about Chansley's case. That provision in the law states that a prisoner in custody under sentence of a court established by act of Congress claiming the right to be released upon the ground that he that the sentence was imposed in violation of the U.S. Constitution or laws of the United States. So on Friday. Shipley sent a letter to the U.S. Attorney Kimberly Shaw to ask about the factual basis of the government's representation of Chansley's case in a separate lawsuit. He said he's 
prepping the battlefield for a prospective filing to request the court to vacate Chansley's conviction. And that had much to do with the surveillance footage released. Shipley's move came as part of the ripple effect from newly surfaced surveillance footage of the January 6, 2021 Capitol breach aired by Fox News' Tucker Carlson tonight on March 6. Among the footage was a clip showing Chansley unarmed, walking along with several Capitol police officers who didn't attempt to remove him from the Capitol building, which Carlson said shows that Chansley was not violent on January 6 of 2021. So I'll just pot down the uh, Jamiroquai. There's a silhouette of the old Jamiroquai that I've used to uh, <clears throat> illustrate poor Jacob Chansley in jail, but it, it also is the the icon for the virtual insanity rec- recording album. Ah, okay. Before I get uh, get into the Matt Taibbi clip uh, with Walter Kern, uh, do you want to say anything, Gregor, before we get get launched into that direction? Because because we're gonna imp- unpack that for about thirty minutes. Of course, one has to unmute one's microphone before it'll work. How about that? Um. <laughs> I hate it when I do that. Anyway, you mentioned you put me in charge of Trump. Fine, I'll do that. I just happened to have been reading about that this morning. Um, And the interesting thing is, is that these charges are all related to the SEC investigation he had two years ago or a year and a half ago that closed with a finding of no wrongdoing done. They're also based on the testimony for a proven liar who happens to be uh, and multiple occasions, I forgot the name of the guy, but I remember reading about him and he testified under oath that he had no intentions for trying to work for the White House, but his tweets turned around. And, I mean, his uh, texts on his phone turned around and said, yeah, I want a job at the White House. So, I mean, the guy's a proven liar. I really think this is just political. The whole goal is to try to get him convicted of anything in order to get keep him out of the 24 election because... Though I disagree with this assessment, the assessment seems to be they can't beat him. So it's like it's extraordinary. It's like nothing. Again, it's it's more stuff built on lies, which you know everyone yells and screams about the Russian collusion, which is all proven to be built on false information. And now I'm not saying that he did not have a non-disclosure agreement with this woman and that he did not pay her money. That is not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that everything occurred, from what we can tell, everything that was done was legal. Right. So right. I want to make it sure I'm not, not, I'm not saying that Trump didn't do what he's accused of being. However, she signed a non-disclosure agreement in order to get money and therefore the case should be closed. Um, and there's lots of reasons people sign non-disclosure agreement. You know, maybe maybe she's not as guilty as I mean, she's not as innocent as everybody thinks she is, and she doesn't want to talk about it. Who knows? Doesn't matter. It's not relevant. It's a non-disclosure agreement. So, you know, they're they're trying to try him again for something he's already been essentially cleared of, not acquitted, cleared of. Well, I mean, I think that if it's the same charge, then it would be kind of a double. Some artful lawyering here. I want to see the. You know, backflipping seals and, you know, the, lawyering the, the, the is lawyer a, stick his head yeah. in the, inside of the lion's mouth. You know, I, I really want to see all that. 
Well, uh, well, because of the because of the crazy, um, you know, uh, what is it? Dual sovereignty, where a state's law and a federal law, if they have the, both have the same law, a person can be charged with both crimes, even though it's the same evidence, the same occurrence. Um, you know, there's there's that happens all the time where somebody on a gun charge will get a state charge and then convicted of that. They'll get a federal charge convicted of the exact same thing using the exact same evidence that's not considered um, uh, double jeopardy. Right. It's considered dual sovereignty. It's, it's a really stupid thing that they came up with in the you know, 1950s. I'm, I'm glad you br- brought that up because there is a legislator. I can't remember who it is. It might be Ted Cruz. Uh, he might have been a co-signer for a Senate bill to uh, basically, no, it was John Cornyn, Texas, who uh, co-signed a bill to make gun ownership uh, the same as driver's licenses honored in every state in the United States so that if you get a gun permit in New Jersey, it will be honored in New York. So, well, and technically speaking, under the constitution, that should be the case. It should be, but they shouldn't have to pass another law. It's just literally a Supreme court decision that says if your marriage license and your driver's license is valid across state lines, so is your concealed carry permit. So they want the same standard for for state permits, state gun permits, and apparently that's not explicit in the law. So they're going to try to make it so. And you know, in these days and age, when they're yeah. rolling back as much gun rights as, as they possibly can, um, I, I can't argue against it. But I'd like to hear more debate about it, one way or the other. There might be things in the bill that you know call for a centralized background check. Uh, and, a, and a huge database on gun owners nationally. Um, I'm always a little bit more afraid of centralized uh, moves on on um, on the government. So I also wanted to, to bring up that uh, another thing this week, this is in the link section. If you go to the box, citizen, and don't forget to invite all your friends, go to the man plus and just invite all your friends. We air here on call in every Saturday afternoon around 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. Um, Again, go to the box where it says unsanctioned citizen, push to the left, and you will see a series of news links uh, of all the things that we're going to feature here on the program. The last link is of Mike Ben Cyber of Twitter. He's a great source of information for this program, and I just wanted to indicate that his whole thread is packed with nothing but substantive information about everything that you would want to know about the Twitter files, about DARPA and the Pentagon. Like here's one from 23 hours ago. Ask yourself why a government funded social media censorship org specifically censoring COVID dissidents would draw its funding from the Department of Defense's Minerva initiative. Well, the Minerva initiative is the DOD program to fund the science of psychological operations. So that's the kind of stuff you're going to get on Mike Menz's feed. Uh, Additionally, he had a video of himself um, letting us all know that there is a bill that passed both chambers of Congress and now sits on Biden's desk for signing that bans or, or junks or prohibits the federal government from coercing Internet companies, Internet service providers, U.S. Internet service providers um, to content moderate for them. 
So essentially it is an anti-censorship action through a bill. And like Gregor had said, uh, what the issue is, is that it should be, and he said the same thing, Mike Ben said the same thing, is that it should be expressed through our first amendment that, you know, the government should be prohibited from doing this but because they cannot limit themselves. There is an expression of law now that says you shall not do this to us. And that is the fruit of the Twitter files. So with that, Gregor, if you want to have two seconds to, you know, comment on that, I'm going to move right into the, the content. I need to set it up. There. You don't mind. Pattern. Um, yeah. And here's my challenge. And, and I, somehow I got Michael Malice's attention today. We were tweeting about the verse, the constitution versus That's the cool. Yeah, well, <laughs> That's really but, cool. God, he's such a smart guy. Anyway, um, we were we were discussing the difference between the um, Confederation of States and the Constitution. You know, they had the um, first, well, the AS, ACF, uh, whatever the Constitution was called. Now, I just forgot it because, of course, I'm on the on, on the air. But uh, we were so talking many. superior. <laughs> Are you thinking the Bill of Rights or the, the no, main, no like, before that, before that, the uh, uh, oh, father, um, yeah, that that thing that did the thing, the thing, the thing, um, common sense, but so articulate, articulate, Gregor. So articulate. yeah, I know, I know, I'm so, I'm so brilliant, right? Um, the yeah, Articles the of Confederation, there it is, Articles of Confederation, which came before the go. Constitution, and um. You know, he was the claim was that the Articles of Confederation were superior to the U.S. Constitution. And my comment was, well, based on the fact that the folks in the area at the time did not think so, I would argue against that. And his return point was valid in the fact that the Constitution really increased the scope and strength of the federal government where the Articles of Confederation had kept that from happening. And his point as an anarchist, you know, he's a, he's an anarchist. Um, he collected a great, uh, he had a great collection of essays, essays called the Anarchist Cookbook, which is an excellent um, read if you want to find out about what the anarchists really thought. Um, but, uh, and those essays were written by, you know, throughout time there, it's a collection of historical essays. But, uh, you know, his point was, is that, you know, it was the move towards federalism that generated the Constitution. And maybe if we were to step back and go to the Articles of Confederation, mm -hmm. um, that we would be more free. And now, I'm, of course, I'm going to have to hunt down that rabbit hole because I'm ADD and go dig that up and make sure he's correct. But <laughs> it was an interesting discussion. And, you know, I can't argue against it in the fact that, you know, what we see now is an over it, what we see now is even an overstep of the Constitution, a blatant terrible overstep of the constitution that started 130 40 years ago and, yeah um, okay and, well we're gonna have to say that because uh I, I cannot get this down to low it's one problem i got my intro and outro going if i try to load up any more sound oh hang on here my abs getting a little cuckoo Anyways, uh, if I try to upload the sound, it, it's not quite working properly. Colin is a dear and dear and dear uh, platform, uh, but sometimes their tech has some hiccups. And so we're going to move into the uh, interview now uh, where Matt Taibbi and Walter Kern unpacked this for about 30 minutes. Sit back, get a, 
a beverage of your choice and some popcorn and listen closely because this is what the virality project is and it is pretty scary it is all the things that that make you neurotic and paranoid and it just in fact happens to be true unfortunately Okay. Um, yeah, let's get let's get down to it. You just released a new Twitter files thread on on Twitter. Can you hear that all right? Was something called the virality? No problem. My favorite universe. Universe it seems to have fully folded itself into the batter of the censorship state. Um, okay, I'm gonna get a better sound cue for this. I'll just need a minute. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna play some sound and while I set this up, I apologize to everyone. I gotta put this in perspective. Welcome to. So I'm going to set up the uh, set up the microphone now, and we're off. Sheila, that muted yourself. into the batter of the censorship state um, and uh, created a product uh, that, that, that you inspected rather carefully um, that allowed them to do what exactly? So this is, um, this is a direct consequence of, you know, about a month ago when I started to see that there was in the Twitter files this problem of there being too many of these state-sponsored um, think tanks that are doing disinformation work for me to keep track of. Mm -hmm. um, I decided to invest some money in hiring a bunch of bodies to help research this and brought in some people who really know this world a little bit and some like ex-military folks and uh, some other people who kind of know this world. And um, so they went through a lot of this material and 
right before, like literally an hour probably before the, um, we had to submit our statements for the hearing last week, um, one of these researchers found this node of emails involving Stan Stanford's Virality Project. And the essence of them was th there were two big stories embedded in this email chain. One of them was that Stanford, with the backing of a number of partners and some government agencies, had created a cross-platform, um, single digital ticketing system that was processing censorship requests for all of them. Facebook, Google, TikTok, YouTube, um, Pinterest, Medium, Twitter, uh, which is, you know, significant enough, right? You would think that would be an antitrust issue, like some other stuff in there. And then the second thing is they, they specifically outlined from the very beginning that um, true stories that promote hesitancy were on were what the, something they defined officially as um, standard misinformation on your platform. And so this thread that we did is basically we, we went through every instance of what we could find um, of them defining true things as disinformation or misinformation or malinformation. And the, the, the takeaway that you come from this is that they they really, this is an innovation. It's, it's, a, it's a new evolution of, of the disinformation process away from trying to figure out what's true and what's not and just mm -hmm. going directly to political narrative. Um, so, so, so I noticed in the thread that the virality people who are now targeting vaccine hesitancy and so-called COVID misinformation also pointed out that this enterprise was an extension of what they'd done with the election. Yes, yes. They, 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 were, done. Mm -hmm. they were using a tool that had been perfected during the uh, 2020 election and, and, and training this canon on the COVID subject. Yeah, so, so in the summer of 2020, Stanford created the Election Integrity Partnership. And there was a video of, it, of its director, this guy, Alex Stamos, who came from Facebook, saying that um, CISA, the DHS agency, um, would like to do election monitoring, but, you know, is, is limited legally. So Stanford is going to step in and, quote, fill the gap for CISA. And so Stanford has no hesitation in doing what is illegal for the government to do. <laughs> basically, basically, yes. And they openly describe themselves with the EIP. They openly describe themselves as partners of CISA. Um, and we, we thought it was interesting because we found in the Twitter files, we'd find these, these emails that say from CISA escalated by EIP. So what's CISA again? It's the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. They use <laughs> uh, security twice in the same name, but mm -hmm. it's it's the subdivision of the Department of Security. Um, 
responsible for disinformation. This is this is this is where the ministry of truth is going to be born, um, mm-hmm. probably. And right. they tried to create the disinformation governance board. Remember with that crazy woman uh, Nina Jankowitz, mm-hmm. the Mary Poppins person. Uh-huh. Yeah, is it, hasn't she recently been? Uh, been panhandling on social media for uh, mm-hmm. legal uh, fee help. Uh, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So the the thing that she was going to be in charge of, which was the sort of universal uh, government effort at combating uh, disinformation, which they've now just they've now officially termed uh, critical infrastructure, the information landscape. Um, Right. So, so us talking to each other is the equivalent of like power lines and interstate highways mm-hmm. now. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. Depending on what we talk about, but especially if we talk about elections or whatever. Um, so she was going to be in charge of that. And this thing, the Virality Project, uh, I'm pretty sure was the dry run for that, that thing, the Disinformation right. Governance Board. Because they, at the, at the conclusion of, of their um, work, at, on April 26, 2022, they recommended that DHS create a, um, a center of excellence that would do what they do. And the next day, uh, the DHS Secretary Mayorkas announced that they had just created a disinformation governance board um, with mm-hmm. Nina Jankowitz at the head of it. Um, so, but this idea of having a, a universal single digital processing ticketing system that touches all the networks, including the alternative ones like Getter and, um, Parler, et cetera, et cetera, Mm -hmm. takes in all the content and the scary thing from the point of view of you know, free speech purists here, there's a lot of scary things, but like you could say something and get banned for it on one platform and now all the other platforms know about that. And so you'll be, your your history will be fed into this big computer. It's kind of like the, you know, the credit uh, score system. Um, it reminds me of Scientology, the suppressive person. Suppressive the person. person. Who is, the person yeah. who is disloyal and or heretical. Uh, within a call, uh... yeah, and 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 so they they approached Twitter in early 2021 about signing on to this thing. They give them an onboarding packet. They have to they have to log in to this thing called Jira, which they have internally. They have their own Jira system inside Twitter, which is just a program that helps you decide how to you know what content to ban. But now they have a big JIRA. It's like a global JIRA. And um, and they start sending out reports about themes that they want to address. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a big COVID person. I, I, I never got spun up about this issue. I got the shot. I didn't really spend a lot of time worrying about it, um, except from the speech angle. Mm-hmm. But reading through these stories... Uh, for the first, for the first time, really gave me um, serious pause about uh, about a lot of these stories, and made me wonder, 
if I had been very seriously misinformed because they they made a conscious effort to suppress true stories of people who had had vaccine injury, um, vaccine side effects who died after vaccines, celebrity deaths after vaccines. Um, there was a school closure in upstate New York where a bunch of teachers got sick after getting the vaccine and they wanted to suppress that story. Um, Did those teachers allegedly get sick from the vaccine or they just got sick from COVID showing that the vaccine wasn't effective? No, they got sick right after they took the vaccine. Okay. Now, again, you can't, you can't prove causality in these situations, and that's, that's one of the difficulties about a lot of these things. But, you'd have, you know, you had these stories where people would drop dead an hour after they get the vaccine or they get myocarditis or thrombocytopenia or whatever that is. Um, and um, and so these this group took these true stories and it was never alleged that they were made up. No, no, just that you they were unhelpful to the narrative that was being pushed at the time. Yeah, you see in the reports they will describe these stories as as true, mm -hmm. um, and they will they will. They won't skirt around it. They won't say, like, you know, possible. They'll say, this is a true story. Um, for instance, there was a leak of um, what they call the cyber attack. Some hacker got hold of some documents uh, in Europe showing that the rollout of the AstraZeneca vaccine had been accompanied with serious side effects and blood clots. And they, mm -hmm. they characterized that as a, as a cyber attack. And, um, and they admit that it's a true story, but they framed it as a disinformation event because the wrong people were retweeting it. And this is a key concept that they keep coming back to, which is they, they're not looking at truth versus untruth. They're looking at the political consequence of the story. And the, one of the first ways that they figure out whether a thing is on narrative or off narrative is who's retweeting the story. If RFK Jr. is retweeting the story, and they had this incredible, terrifying phrase to describe um, well-known offenders like RFK Jr. They said oh, there's well. a, there, uh, I, I should read this because this is this is so scary. I, I, for some reason, nobody else thought this was as bad as I did. Um, but uh, here it is. The uh, known repeat offenders, false or meeting, misleading posts from the accounts of well-known repeat offenders, such as Robert F. Kennedy. Um, this is a large volume of content that is almost always reportable. So, so what they're saying is, Basically, anything that Robert F. Kennedy says is going to be is almost always going to be reportable. They're working backwards from who the person is to decide whether or not that's a good story. In but another instance, but it's it's entirely circular too, because the reason Robert Kennedy is a you know is a distrusted person is because he has said other things in the past that have offended them, and so. Uh, you know, it's not it's not as though he has a record or criminal record or, you know, 
has been proven to be a liar in some fashion, it's only because he's spoken un inconvenient or un uh, unapproved uh, truths in the past. Um, uh, in other words, what makes you what makes you an offender and thus then a repeat offender is that you you know pissed them off or or or, or strayed from the narrative in the past. So. Uh, uh, you know, it, it's not proceeding from any uh, basic uh, criticism or critique of Robert Kennedy as a person. Uh, no, and these aren't again; these aren't health experts that are making th these decisions. These are these are disinformation experts who aren't expert in anything except <clears throat> this. And this right. is is the science of algorithmically detecting. Um, off narrative content. So there's right. another. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. So, so in other words, just to review this little bit we've traveled already, misinformation, disinformation, whatever you want to call it, comes can, can be true stuff that comes from the wrong people. Mm -hmm. It can be true stuff that is unhelpful to the project we're trying to advance. Um, and it can be true stuff that comes too early too. I mean, we haven't gotten to that yet. But. Oh God, yeah, that's that's another thing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The, the, they are the the word I use in this is they are the extravagantly wrong. These these folks, they 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 are continually mistaken about all kinds of things. But um, I, I wanted to read first this this. Um, this thing that they cited um, as an example of what their um, how they respond to certain news stories. Mm -hmm. So there's a disinformation event in their weekly bulletin, and it says after CDC changes its methodology for counting COVID-19 cases among vaccinated people, anti-vaccine activists push vaccine efficacy concerns. Then there's a little bullet point. It says the CDC announced that COVID-19 cases among vaccinated people will only be counted if they require hospitalization or result in death to maintain better data on quote breakthrough cases post-vaccination. Now this is in the in the period when they were still not they still didn't know that break, breakthrough cases were incredibly common and that the vaccine wasn't terribly effective in preventing transmission. Um, and so they were they were in this sort of netherworld of trying to assert that the vaccines worked um, to prevent you from getting the disease. Mm -hmm. So when the CDC did this, because they were clearly trying to drive down the number of COVID cases, uh, breakthrough cases. In the vaccinated among the vaccinated so yeah. they only did this change for vaccinated people right right um naturally it says uh you know the top 10 posts on this from a medical freedom instagram account received 7,000 likes the children's health defense also published an article and, su and was subsequently tweeted by anti-vaccine activist robert f kennedy jr um Another popular YouTube video from anti-vaccine activist, activist What's-Her-Face has been viewed over 60,000 times. Takeaway, 
The decision to be restrictive in counting breakthrough cases is seen as hypocrisy and, among some communities, suggestive of a cover-up. So, which it is. Which it is, but, like, you could read that a couple of ways as this is a subtle way of telling that this, you know, people that the CDC maybe shouldn't have done that, but that's not the guidance that they're giving to these platforms. The platforms are good. The, the guidance that they're getting is this isn't so good for the CDC. It's encouraging hesitancy. Um, right. It's it's empowering Robert F. Kennedy. It's making us look like hypocrites. Um, and they're using words like hypocrisy that we that we don't like. Well, so, I mean, Matt, I mean, I, I'm unwilling to be so quite so charitable. What it sounds like to me is they're catching us. Uh, they're catching on. Uh, they're noticing that uh, we aren't giving them the full story. And noticing is going to be censored now. Uh, noticing that you are being misled. Noticing that you aren't being given uh, total uh, information on the situation is now itself becoming a second order sin. You know, in other words, if the first order sin is is reporting true stuff that um, we don't want. The second order sin is starting to talk about the fact that the truth is being suppressed. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're, if you have any doubts and if you show interest in stories that might raise your doubts, then this is a disinformation event. And why do they? Why are they worried about this? Because they are again, they're not focused on true versus untrue. They are intensely focused on the question of authority and obedience. Yes. So yeah. there is an amazing report by one of the partners of the, the Reality Project, which is this company, um, Graphica. Uh, and Graphica is a DOD-funded, uh, DARPA-partnered organization run by a guy named Ben Nimmo, who used to be a NATO press secretary. Mm-hmm. And um, they ran a, um, a piece called FOHI, you know that, uh, that, that joke that people were making, F-O-U-X-I, um, about right. Anthony Fauci? Yeah. Um, yes. And it's called FOHI Undermining Authoritative Health Sources. Uh, the June June 1st release of thousands of Dr. Anthony Fauci's emails um, gave the public a glimpse into the challenges experienced by U.S. government officials in the early days of the pandemic. Um, they alleged, they, the, some alleged that they revealed deep ties to the Chinese government, dishonesty in public communications about the lab leak theory of the virus and otherwise nefarious intentions for prolonging the, the pandemic and lying to the public. Now, this was bad, they said. Because it undermined authority, not because, uh, well, that could be the only reason it's bad, <laughs> because if you believe in the truth, it's good. Right, right. And, and this is what they go on to say. Um, they say... Uh, 
This tactic is not incidental. For years, incentivized influencers have repeatedly undermined and delegitimized authoritative health sources, public, institution, public health institutions, and health experts. This continual process of seeding doubt and uncertainty in authoritative voices leads to a society that finds it too challenging to identify what's true or false. Um, I, I can barely sit in my seat when I hear that. Sorry, Matt. Uh, so for them, the breakdown of trust comes not from the fact that we've got official Defense Department uh, sponsored and Stanford University led um, uh, truth suppression algorithms out there. It's because people uh, are, are finding things out that are counter to the narratives that are being given them by the government. In other words, here is a defense of authority as such, the importance of authority as such. You mm -hmm. know, the long tradition of, uh, 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 of challenging power and speaking truth to power is now in itself a danger to the USA. Uh, right, right, because power must be trusted. Power must be trusted because the people cannot sort stuff out unless they have a strong respect for authority and they're guided by authoritative voices. Absent that, we have chaos. So, But, but these people who are working in these places <clears throat> know firsthand that the people can't sort things out because the people aren't allowed to sort things out because we are not allowing them. So their concern over people coming to uh, rational conclusions about reality are completely, uh, uh, completely made up. Their very jobs depend on preventing people from doing that. Um, you know, who are these robots and why do they have such consensus? Do you ever see memos saying, hey man, you know, uh, the fact that we're suppressing news about real uh, vaccine injuries is probably not helping the matter out there in TV land either. Um, well, I'm sorry, I got to wrap it there. But that's the uh, that's the gist. That's uh, Matt Taibbi and Walter Kern on America This Week. Um, the link to that entire interview, which goes on for an hour, stellar stuff. Really great integral stuff. Uh, if you go to the box up at the height where it says the unsanctioned citizen and push to the left, it's the next to the last, last dot uh, before Mike Benz. So I need a couple clicks here. I hit this on mute and... Uh, and we're back in business, my friends. Now we enter the talk portion of the show where maybe we we, uh, we get involved with some of the uh, correspondence and some of the other news items that I have. I've covered about three of them, so I can blow through a couple more and then and then we'll take take questions and discussion. Uh, one is that the CFPB, which is the uh, financial Com Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, has launched an inquiry into companies that track and collect information on people's personal lives. And this is, these are the data brokers. So public input will help to inform planned rulemaking under the Fair Credit Reporting Act. So in issuing this new request for information, the CFPB wants to understand the full scope and breadth of data brokers and their business practices, 
their impact on the daily lives of consumers and whether they are all playing by the same rules. This request is a chance for the public to share feedback about companies that play a significant role in people's lives and the economy. Uh, this feedback will shed light on the current state of an industry that largely operates out of public view and inform, inform the CFPB's future work to ensure that these companies comply with federal law. So, I mean, it, I have always argued that they are SEC violators, securities violators, because they have never con consorted with the data owners about, you know, how and where this goes. Um, so that will be my chief input argument if, uh, if and as I, I do this. Um, so I encourage all of the listeners to kind of investigate this more thoroughly, think about what they think about <laughs> and, and say what you want to say to the CFPB on, on the matter. Uh, quote, modern day data surveillance practices have allowed companies to hover over our digital lives and monetize our most sensitive data, said CFPB Director Rohit Chopra. Our inquiry will inform whether the rules under the Fair Credit Reporting Act or the FCRA reflect these market realities. Uh, I think it needs an update, but I'll just move on to the next news item. There's also a new standard for anonymization and identity. Uh, privacy experts can now rely on a new standard, the ISO EC, IEC 27559, colon 2022 Privacy Enhancing Data De-Identification Framework. So it's live. You can look at it and use it. Uh, it's an area that has been the subject of much discuss, discuss and development. It's, uh, it's a framework that will play an important role in establishing best practices for reuse and sharing of data about people made from people. Finally, um, there is quite a, a long one here from uh, Congress, Congress minutes uh, about Ron DeSantis and, uh, and Politico. Let me see here. Joe Biden's archivist. Oh, coalition of privacy minded outside groups and lawmakers are outlining sweeping changes to an end of the year surveillance deadline. This is directly impacting FISA and the Section 702 that has just been a stick in the craw of every civil libertarian nationwide, possibly internationally. Um, it's the latest sign that the Biden administration's push to extend the program lar largely is falling flat. So the news is the new pressure is building on and off Capitol Hill for Congress to use an end of the year deadline on 702 to make sweeping changes to not only the program, but the broader FISA Act. So uh, Glenn Greenwald did do some, some reporting on that. I think he's just trying to get ahead of it, scaring out all of the, uh, the, the frutterous arguments that drive everybody absolutely bananas. Um, so he did a show on that, I think on Thursday. So I'll try to get that for you in the notes. Uh, blah, blah. So that, that's all I have for you. I think that's the castle. Oh, uh, one last one. Last but definitely not least, the daughter of one of three missing women in Mexico has not lost hope. Um, this is from Benitas, Texas. The daughter of one of the two sisters from Texas who went missing in Mexico along with her friend three weeks ago while traveling to a flea market says she hasn't lost hope that they'll be located. We are waiting for them to come back home. 
Maria Guadalupe Ramirez, 27, told KRGV TV in Wellasco. The FBI said in a statement Thursday that it was unable to comment on the investigation, but said the agency relentlessly pursues all options when it comes to protecting the American people. And this doesn't change when they are endangered across the border. The three women, Ramirez's mother, Marina Perez Rios, 48, Ramirez's aunt, Maritza Trinidad Perez Rios, 47, and their friend, Dora Alicia Cervantes Science, sorry, 53, were headed to a flea market to sell clothes in a Mexican city of Montemorelos in the state of Nuevo Leon. So the state prosecutor's office in Nuevo Leon said that it's investigating the women's disappearance. So I'm going to leave it there. All right, that's it. That's the whole thing. The whole thing. That's everything. That's it. That's the whole thing. That's great. Um, <laughs> gotta love, gotta love uh, the fact that they're censoring John F. Kennedy Jr. because they think he's going to say something. Because they he of things that he has said before as a thought criminal in the past. Therefore, he has been. Who their thought criminals are. Yeah, well, and and you know, from what I understand, he didn't say anything that was actually inaccurate. Um, you know, the only thing that the only difference between Apparently what doesn't was matter. <laughs> matter. Well, yeah, the the only difference between what was you know what was disinformation in January of two thousand twenty one and and truth now is a year. You know, every so many things that we were told was wrong, we found out are true. Um, and and an interesting thing. Our Congress actually agreed on something in relation to the whole COVID thing. Um, that was interesting this week that there was 419 to zero vote in order to declassify all the Wuhan stuff. Unbelievable. Um, so, well, it's a bipartisan thing, but of course, Biden's probably going to veto it. So because well, we can't we'll have see. the truth. I mean, if he actually vetoes it, but there's a two-third vote that that has to, you know, and there's going to be several things that he doesn't want to sign. He's going to have to, like, you know, eat the frog and sign sign the bill. Well, and then he'll turn around and do an executive order that reprimands it because that's what he does because he is defurer. Has he done that during his term? Well, he's already been taken to court several times on his executive orders. They've been overturned and he turned around and did them again. Well, um, I don't think he's playing with a full deck, and I think that I can say that with with a hundred percent of my own special opinion here. <laughs> well, I, I think what, what's even worse is his entire because you can bet he sits down and signs what they put in front of him. I'm with you; he doesn't play a full full deck. But what blows my mind is that he has people that are telling him do the executive order again. They obviously have no concept of what law is. Yeah, I think that's foreign. You know, and I've said that on other podcasts is that when people have no concept or have no navigation of our law, I think by brute force, brute force uh, policymaking that they're actually going to get their way, but they don't understand how our, our form of government functions or works. So uh, you take somebody who is essentially feeble-minded and they're taking, um, they're taking legal advisories from a someone who is either mentally ill, meaning like they're they overly brute in their in their force of, of happening. Like they don't understand the law. They they are in fact ignorant of the law. They could be American, but frequently I've found that that people who administrate an international law uh, and typically throw their weight around will do that 
So it could be one or both or either. But in, in any event, that is ignorance trying to say, well, I'm just going to brute force this as a matter of lawfare and, and punish the dissenters. And that's how it's going to go. And that's just not, that's not American law. Well, and I'm with you on that. And, you know, uh, Vivek Radhaswamy. Vivek. Yeah, Vivek Radhaswamy, I think he is his name. He's a, <laughs> he's actually thrown his hat in the ring for presidential candidate. He's an yeah, American strive, strive management. Um, and, uh, you know, he has some really interesting things to say about his powers as a uh, president that are constitutional, based in law. Um, you know, one of the things he would do is start firing people, even though Congress says he can't. But his point is, Article 2 says he can. Um, you know, so hopefully he'll at least, I don't know if he can win or not. Right now, he personally has my vote, but that's beside the point. It's still got 18 months or more. You know, we still got a while for the election. It's but, okay to uh, keep shopping. I'm going to keep shopping. Uh, yeah, I'm going to keep shopping. But it's just, it's just like at least <laughs> there's a discussion going on that... You know, it, to me, as some would call radical, and I like it because it's radical based in law, and that's something we've been missing for the last two two years and change. So, I mean, I, I don't have any problems with uh, getting more political diversity in in the foray because we need it. We just need new new voices, new blood, new ideas, uh, new new everything. And, you know, people who are willing to try to to run this country in a positive direction, um, because what we have right now is is really it's it's decay. That's what we have. We have decay and then a bunch of termite parasites that are coming in to try to feed on the host. And that's not our country like we're we have an, a great integrity, but the leadership is is decaying and we need you know and that's the the veritable de description of corruption that's what corruption is mm -hmm. they are corrupt they are corrupted and um so all of these you know comorbid feeders that come along and you know just they just take the kleptocratic capital that comes down the pipeline and it's it's a whole a whole smattering of problems that come along with being corrupt or decaying. So we need new and fresh and an integral, um, just something new to take it up a notch, just something, something else. I'm not trying to advocate for anything other than, you know, we, we need constitutional governance, people who, who recognize the, the, the government. <laughs> the well, yeah, the, the guidelines of the Constitution are something. The guidelines of the Constitution are something to be followed, not something to be overcome. Or, or dispatched. Yeah. Now, <laughs> like, oh, this crappy old document. Wait a minute, that's our sovereignty right there. And and um. Oh, I love that word sovereignty. There's so much to, we don't use it anymore, and I really think people don't understand how important it is as an individual person. To recognize and to exercise and to exercise your sovereignty. Yeah, yeah. Pet I'm, word of the day: sovereignty. So, sovereignty has a lot, you know, because it is the power of the individual. You know, the, the individual in this country is sovereign, 
And it starts with individual rights and individual liberties, but collectivist, you know, and this is the, this is the complete failing of, of collectivism in general is that it can be decapitated and, you know, you core, you take the head and you put a different head on there and you've got a different government all of a sudden, you know, all the centralized systems, you know, you can kill the snake with one swipe of the, of the sword. And, you know, that's not how we want our power to really be. We want decentralized power and decentralized power is run by a group of individuals. It's, it's, it's where you trust the governed a little, a lot, a lot more than these people. These people are afraid. One of the most striking things that came out of the Twitter hearings and watching Ron, is it, is it Goldman? It was in Ron Goldman, but the, the representative Goldman is that it, it made me sure that they are afraid of the people of the United States of America. They're afraid of us. And I, I don't know why. I don't know Ron. You know, I, I, well, I don't know Levi's, but he's terrified. He's terrified, terrified of independent thinking people. What will happen if I have a different opinion about a vaccine that that he already took. What difference does it make? Well, Daniel Goldman is Daniel Goldman. It's Daniel. And Daniel, sorry. That's all right. Daniel Goldman's a different guy. Right. No, and I just want I just looked it up so we could make sure the record was correct. That's all. Um, but you know, and and it's all but it really is all about their vision and power. Um, they keep saying that we need to become more socialist, more like China, which is communist, but that's beside the point. Um and they're afraid that if we wake up and realize, just like it has happened every other time communism has been tried outside of Russia, it will fail. And uh, I just read this week, I just read a chapter, um, or the week before last, I just read a chapter out of uh, Planned Chaos, where they were talking about how all of the revolutions in the early 1900s for communism failed dramatically. It only worked in Russia. And that was only because there was a configuration of events that occurred, including Germany's support of Stalin, uh, the Kaiser Wilhelm's support of Vladimir Stalin or Vladimir um, Lenin. Lenin, yeah. So, I mean, if you know, and, it, and it's just communism would not have worked if it would not have occurred in Russia had it not been for the Kaiser Germany. Um, and it's just, you know, we, and so they, it needs power to, in order to affirm. And if we take the power away from them, which is what our government is supposed to be, read the 5,000 year leap, a great book. Mm -hmm. Um, then, you know, we would, everybody would be much happier except for they'd have to be responsible for themselves. And I guess apparently that's not something we desire. Yeah. And I, I think that all communism ever is, is it's a laundered version of postmodern feudalism it's feudalism it turns and, into that because it has to because and and that never that didn't work out in the feudal times in the dark ages so it because it didn't work then it doesn't mean it's going to work now and that's why it always fails well I, I will argue that feudalism worked for thousands of years but notice what you got from it you got a agrarian local farming community basis where we did not have really cool cell phones and amazing technology and amazing health benefits. And, you know, you lived until you were 35 or 40 instead of 70, 75. 
80 now we're approaching in some case well it used to be approaching now then we have right, COVID. right and you know and but, when the king, king can walk outside and say you know what i think it's 76 degrees outside tell tell the kingdom that it is 76 degrees outside and screw this thermometer i find it offensive that's what you would get in feudalism and that's what goes on in china well, and, and that's what they're trying to promote with climate change and all these other things. We're trying to get people scared and listening to, you know, quote the authority. Um, one of my one of the most fascinating statistics to study is the rise in ocean rise in ocean levels now, in, you know, globally. If you really study the ocean levels globally, I don't understand how they say they're rising, because if you look at like, for example, where, uh, where Obama bought his his wonderful big house right on the coast it's rising at a few millimeters per year you know in a, in a hundred years it may rise six inches if you go to bergen norway and measure over the last 120 years it hasn't risen at all guess what all the oceans are connected so why is it not rising in bergen why is it rising in long island or i mean in, in martha's vineyard you well, know, and, and the, the thing is that those are localized sciences, Gregor, and, and there's room for that. But the problem is, is that it's based on trusting the scientists rather than, okay, show me your research pool. You know, I would like to challenge, and then, then a duke out between scientists over results. And Consensus. different positive, you know, the, the scientific method will work. Um, and, you know, dueling researchers actually makes an important contribution to holistic sciences all over the place. I don't know why people all of a sudden got so terrified and afraid of peer-reviewed research. And so this was one of the things that got thrown in the trash during COVID. Rational, peer-reviewed sciences that, that everybody relied on and, and, and gained trust in the medical community, community as a science. Um, just said, you know what? The narrative is king, and that is what is trusted. It's because the leaders were scared, stupid, and they decided what's true. We're going to stick with one narrative, and everybody else can just go go away. And we can't have people running the nation or the world who are in a posture of scared, stupid, for one. So we got to look into that. We have to look into uh, Daniel Goldman is running things scared stupid, right? Mm -hmm. We got to look into that. We can't have emotional legislating, okay? That is run by a group of of rich narcissists. We can't do that. That's not going to amount to anything except for broad destruction of humanity. It's typical. Typically, that's what it amounts to. So. Um, what I'd like to do is I'd like to open the phones. I see Vlad and Alan and Murphy here with us. And uh, I'd like to see if any of those guys would like to step up. Oh, hey, Vladdy. He's reliable. Hey. Hello, everyone. Kayla, Gregor, I hope everybody's doing good. And uh, everybody down at the... Welcome back. Welcome Q, back. Listener queue. Doing good. My, my question with all this corruption and what you guys are talking about, is what's going to happen with this uh, indictment on Trump? Oh, we covered it at the beginning. You know, just a know. little bit, but I, we can go back there. What do you think is going to happen? I think that if they, I, I hope it's a hoax, 
Because if they indict them on anything, they're going to have to automatically, many cases right now with the Republican Congress, they're going to they're gonna have to indict many of, of uh, politicians in the past for many wrongdoings. Things that have got overlooked. This happened to come out at the same moment that founding members of the Biden family were also involved in China money. Uh, at a lesser degree, but very similar to his son, his son Hunter. This should be more reasons why why the House of Representatives should be the ones protesting, not people out there about to protest, you know, violently or anything. But it should be actually this should be coming from Congress. But you know, as our our corrupt government, our corrupt Congress, especially those rhinos and those that hate Trump, they're not going to do nothing. So what I'm saying is just wishful thinking. What, what, Will what it go the, anywhere? Do they have validity? I don't think it does. Go ahead, Greg. I was just going to say, you have to remember, this is a New York state case that they're talking about indicting him on. It's not a federal case. The federal investigation for this same crime already occurred under the SEC because it was a campaign funds fraud question. And he was cleared of all charges in that federal campaign. So they're recharging him under New York state law because of dual sovereignty. And I'm with you, Vlad. I think it is going to be decided that they're going to, all of a sudden this too will go away. Yes, uh, Bo, Biden, Bo Biden's uh, wife, you know, got thousands of millions or hundreds of thousands of dollars or whatever from China miraculously for no apparent reason. Um, you know, that did come out this week and it has been, that, you know, there's been a lot of work. That's so tight. That is, it's so tight and so accurate, Gregor. I, I have to hand it to you. That hundreds of, of billions or millions of dollars. Wow. <laughs> you know, it, it was, I forgot exactly. It wasn't actually a huge amount, but it was, it was, you know, I don't know, in, in the tens of thousands. Bigger than what I make. For her. But, but, my thing, but my thing is, how could you arrest a man that hasn't even gone to court and he hasn't been present? Well, I mean, we That's, have people who have been in jail for two years because of what we are finding out was not really a riot based on video evidence. So what okay. does arresting have to do with anybody? We don't have laws. We do have laws. I'm, I'm going to check you there, Gregor. We do have laws. We just have people who don't mind them. And this is how they think. The, the laws are only subordinate to the ruling order and not for the people. So um, that's where you get these, these uh, kind of rule on high. Again, it's feudalism. Uh, we're, gonna not, we're going to choose to not enforce the law. That's an obstruction of justice. Or, or in the case, sorry, it's here. Or in the case of the federal government, when it goes after a couple or family, and they don't have the means to defend themselves, that is very typical here in America, and especially Latin America. the The government will win, or a corporation will win over people because they cannot they cannot afford uh, legal counsel, which could be costly in a long in in a long case. So that that is usually the case. That should be wrong because if the army, if the government has its army of lawyers. The people should have just about, with taxpayer money, the ability to be able to fight the government, especially on, on nonsensical charges, when they bring up uh, uh, whatever types of charges are against a particular individual, let's say the IRS, right, and stuff like that. So I think there's not really no justice in our country, if there ever was. 
Well, well there's, gonna... there's a multiplicity of laws. And as the laws multiply, as maybe Gregor will, will witness here for me, um, is as the, mul- the laws multiply, the, the baby, there is more tyranny. Well, and, and part of it is the multiplicity of laws, which is why in the 1930s, uh, the Supreme Court decided that you needed to have a, it, the, the whole idea of a, of a court appointed attorney came out of a 1930s case because some ignorant people were arrested. And so the Supreme Court decided that they were too stupid to defend themselves. And so they were required to have a lawyer. And that became what later became their whole Miranda process. Um, however, the Constitution does not guarantee that you should have a court-appointed attorney. The Constitution guarantees that you can have representation. And, that, and, the, and part of the challenge is, is that the laws have gotten so complicated as people do not feel like they can defend themselves anymore. Now, personally, I'm a firm believer that if I get arrested for anything, the first thing I do not do is waive my right to a speedy attorney or a speedy trial. I do not waive my right to a trial by jury. And if I have to, I will defend myself only because given those three things, chances are in Oregon, they're going to drop the charges because they don't have the capacity to even bring the, the, the uh, trial to jury within the required three to four, uh, what is it, uh, three months or three weeks, I forgot which, here in Oregon, there's a specific amount of time that is considered a speedy trial. So, okay. um, you know, so one thing that people, we might consider doing is start defending yourself. You have the right to do that. I know they say that a, a person defending themselves has a fool for a client, and who said that? The lawyers. So yeah, but that, that's assuming that the person does not know the law. I mean, the lawyers don't know if I know the law, right? Lawyers don't know how, well, how and, prepared I am. And nowadays, I, I, you can you can actually. I mean, Chat GPT just passed the bar exam in three states. What? So, oh, oh yeah, shit. the, the, the ChatGPT <laughs> oh is. Not- so, so my point is, is you have a you have a free resource where you can look up. There's yeah. so much, so much you can look up, and just uh-huh. reading Supreme Court cases. Which, yes, I'm weird. I have a hobby of doing that. Um, you know, reading Supreme Court cases, you can learn so much, and you can actually turn around and fight um, these with great clarity. Uh, you can be your, I think you can be your own representation. There's, there's websites geared towards, you know, being your own representation. And do I think you should, if you can afford an attorney, I would suggest you find one because that just makes, it takes the emotion out of it. Yeah, now, it helps a lot. whether I'm a psychopath or what, but I, I feel like in a court of law, I could take my emotions out of it. That may have something to do with my ADHD or, or something. I don't know, or autism, depending on how you look at it. But, um, Hey, uh, Vlad, I, I want to switch places here. I'm going to bring up the speaker column so you can keep the conversation going. And then yeah, and Lori wants to come on. Anyway, so I, I was pretty much done. So there's there's my opinion is that we shouldn't <laughs> no, be thank you, thank to you. do a speedy trial and request a jury trial. If you always do that, you'll find out charges are gone. Okay, thank Laura, you. Uh, she's thank new to the program. Hi, Laura. Uh, hey, Laura. Hello, this is actually Brady. I just had to use a proxy earlier. So oh, that's gay. That's really gay. That is so wrong, dude. Um, Vlad, that is so Vlad, wrong. You don't so have to wrong. sexualize me, Vlad. Dude, that is so wrong, dude. I actually Thank like that you. picture. I was hoping oh, to meet Laura. Thank you. <laughs> Likewise. Sorry, I was at the drive-thru. But Vlad, you don't need to sexualize me right off the bat, bro. <laughs> it's just a proxy. Totally wow. I don't think I wouldn't take your call. I don't want you to think 
but so, yeah, so, so that's uh, Shayla. Sorry, go ahead. I was reading an article about Whitney Webb or by Whitney Webb the other day about censorship, and it's uh, she has it pinned to the top of her Twitter page right now. It's really uh, interesting. It's really good. And okay. what's the nut? What's, uh, what's the gist? Well, it's about how censorship has been weaponized. And it turns out that keyboard warriors are actually way more effective than people like to let on. Um, wow. You know, keyboard warrior used to be a term. They would say, oh, you think you're doing something from your keyboard? <laughs> Whatever. Turns out that's actually possibly more effective than marching in the streets is being digitally active. Um, hmm. And that's something that's been well, left out of a lot of conversations. Well, it a lot of budget from the, the U.S. federal government to try to, to quash you. Now, I don't know right. if you convince them of this. It's just absolutely terrible. Um, I mean, look at look at me right now. I'm having to use a proxy to communicate on Colin. You do not have to use a proxy, <laughs> Brady. Not for you. I don't. Not for you. But I was in another room before this that I had. I had it was Amanda's room, the crowdsourcing yeah. revolution or something like that. Like oh, you would think that sounds like a, a space yeah. that would be a, a safe place, but no, highly censored. Man, there. I, I missed my opportunity to talk shit about you, uh, um, Brady, right here with you with a proxy. <laughs> Just talk hours of countless crap against you, only for you to be hearing the whole thing. <laughs> That would have been awesome. <laughs> it does happen. It does happen from time to time. It's pretty funny. No, but 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 in the in the room with Amanda with your proxy, did you find out if they were talking shit about you or anything? Oh, I don't care. Um, I don't think they were. They no, were but, talking, but, but do they, they dare utter my name? I'm I'm kind of like Voldemort. Like they don't dare say my name. You know. Um, so no, they don't really talk shit. They just censor me, which is even worse. I don't care if they talk shit, but censor. Hey, that's absolutely. I was going to ask you, Brady. Oh, sorry, Derek. I was just okay. saying the censorship is 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 you know the hard part, and uh, you know I I'm so frustrated because there are folks on here that I'm not jazzed to talk to, but guess what? We got to talk to them because if otherwise, how else are we going to learn? Exactly. But Brady, I was going to ask you. I I know at the beginning of the year uh, there was a lot of commotion and separation and division. Some people talking to William, for example, others not. I myself, one of them, I don't talk to him as much unless it's, he's right here with Shayla. So, you know, people block me or I block them, vice versa. But I was going to ask you, I know the other day you were questioning uh, uh, Stoopy. How how did that come out? Are you guys back on cool terms or is she still going to be an idiot? Oh, she's still being Stoopy. Um... And what, what about it was Rudy? Really is, funny. Is he another they, they one? Had... Rudy? Is he, is he another... Oh, Rudy's just as bad, and so is Dicky. I know, right here. Oh yeah, Rudy's he just could hear as bad. He could... Yeah, Ru- Rudy's even more afraid of me than Stoopy is. So to give Stoopy <laughs> some credit; she's actually not afraid of talking to me. But yeah, Rudy is a perfect example of a shit lib who's doesn't have the intellectual fortitude to stand next to his own philosophy. So. Perfect. Thank you for so, being an example, Rudy. Needed one. So, so, and so I'm Stoopy's the one that Stoopy. wears the, the pants in that family. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, Stoopy wears the pants, and Rudy hides behind her. But they tried to host an intervention for me the other day. Like, we were trying to reach Brady and see if we could reach him, you know. And, like, they, they hosted this whole room saying it was titled, Come At Me, Bro. So I'm like, all right, here I am. And they tried as hard as they could to make me look like a sex creep to drag my all they tried as hard as they could to make me look bad and it ended up blowing up and they tried to gaslight me 
but it blew up in their face just like it does every time. And that's why they didn't post the episode. Well, I, I just want to go ahead. Sorry. Not posting episodes. I'm going to break in here. I, I had an episode. It was pretty fiery like a couple weeks ago. I, 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 I darted a lot of truth out there. There was, there was copious swear words. Uh, I, I'm not sure why Charlie is not allowing it to, to be posted. Um, but you know, I, I shouldn't, couch it as passive aggression from from the network so far it's been pretty pretty copacetic um but i noticed that that there are other shows who have had similar problems uh if you've had other problems uh you know similar to that please let me know um i'd like to understand what you're going through uh because you know maybe we could reach out to colin and maybe get some get some issue resolution on these things, because, you know, I'm, I'm one of these people, if, if I have trespassed in any way, I want to know what it was that I did, numero what uno. Did you do? And then I want to That's understandable. That's understandable. face my accuser. Exactly. The problem is your accuser, your accusers are always hiding behind. They're not men or women enough to man up, women, women up, and, and confront you. This is, this is what I, I don't like about this app. Again, I said it before. I said it with, with Lance telling Rudy and telling anybody else that's my detractor. If you've got something to say, just say it. But stop banning people and chickening out. You know, I'm not going to agree with you. You're not, you know, you're not going to convince me over your social side ever. And you know, I'm not going to be politically correct. I am who I am and that's that. And you have to respect it. Whether you don't agree, I respect your freedom of speech to speak whatever you want. As offensive as it could be, including bad words. And so I want to be afforded. From a place of strength. Like, you know, if you're feeling really beat up or if you're feeling like it's not even about, like, the issue. You're just feeling beat up. And you're feeling like the person that you're dealing with is not going to be reasonable. Like, they're, they're, they're not going to, to be reasonable. You have to wait until you're bold enough to take that chance. To give them the benefit of the doubt. They may not. They may, they may, you might get them on the most reasonable day they've had in a month, but you have to be ready for whatever they throw at you. And you got to be ready to not take it personally. Um, That is the nature of of people in in conflict resolution. You can control one thing. It is how you respond to what is being said. That's what you can control. And, 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 And another thing too, Shayla, I noticed a lot of these cats, they're so irrelevant with our day day and age on the topics. I mean, you at least are relevant what's going on, Greg or myself, even even Brady. But be relevant on the topic. Make yourself interesting. Be intellectual. Read a little. This is what I tell people. I, I come into these rooms, and that's why I constantly leave, because there's nothing but small talk. They criticize Pangburn. They criticize this person or that. But I don't see no fucking intellectual shit. All I see is a bunch of pseudo-intellectual, semi-educated. No, no, no. That, don't, that aren't even. That is, that's all about audience. It's the same people who watch The Bachelor. They they want to have relational uh, sensation. You know, they, they they're not there to be informed or to kind of challenge their minds. Or I, I I like tension. I like back and forth. I like to fight. Give me a fight. I want to kick your ass, but I want to do it nicely. You know, that's who I am. You know, and a lot of these people, when it comes to even topics, they don't, they don't give you a fight. You know, they don't even know what they're talking about. They're just like pulling things out of their, 
you know, pie hole or whatever as they go along. But anyway, it's like whatever. Maybe I'm asking too much. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just think that some we're presuming that these people have a skill set that I have. I think I'm a little bit more skilled uh, than others, but I, I get into some of these little little back and forth and I realize that, you know, maybe I'm not as skilled as I thought I was. And uh, so I guess I have to just kind of be flexible, use my listening skills, uh, understand that there are rules to, to debate. If, if you're debating a person, they just have to understand what the rules are. If they're not using the same set of rules and they're just kind of all over the place, if they're like a squirrel climbing the walls and you're functioning on our rules of debate, you're in two different places. Um, but amongst intellectuals, it should be pretty plain. Um, the rules for engagement are set when you walk into an academic atmosphere, then in some cases there will be a uh, call and response. What I hate about the current academic atmosphere is that they, they invite you to give questions that are screened, okay? And I think over time, that is so that they can play authoritatively towards you and your queries without entertaining your actual query. It's not to get legitimate engagement. It's to get a patina of engagement. Um, and I think that people put a, a high premium on engagement but they're not equipped either emotionally or uh, staff wise or intellectually. Honestly, they don't have the bandwidth intellectually to, to take a challenge, a legitimate challenge or any kind of, you know, audience challenge, even, even with a screen question, because you, you, you look at some of the, the town halls on say like Fox, you know, the, the they're going to call on certain people uh, based on the limitations of time you know, they're, they're going to select certain questions based on the issue issue brick that they have there for the day. Um, and that most of it's it's canned. It's it's totally, totally pre pre approved uh, back and forth media. Um, but in other cases, you know, where it's like this, this is a social podcasting app. Uh, it's live things that ex that have definitely exploded in my face. Um, you know, you're, you're supposed to stay open to, to challenge. And that's why I encourage people to get their, their kind of their feet wet with civil, uh, disagreement or civil engagement, um, on the Pangbird hangout. It's, it's a great place to learn more about how to do that. You know, you wait your turn to speak. If you have questions, if you want to discuss things. Um, it's a it's a great place to kind of get exercise doing those things. Vlad could not the other day. It was beyond frustrating. I was like trying to ask Vlad a series of questions and like he kept interrupting me and talking over me. I was like forgetting my train of thought. And then like one of the other Pangburn dudes started asking Vlad questions and he just like answered their questions so normally. He just like, it was like one, two word responses. Like he was so good at answering their questions, but he couldn't answer mine. I'm like, Vlad, it was. 
Well, that that's some criticism for you. If you can treat everybody equally, sometimes certain people trip trip us up more than others. So you have to just kind of relax and 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 find a cadence for people you have have find challenging. You know, I have to too. You know, it's it's, it's not not easy to do those things. As being he, he was doing he was doing such a good job for the pain burden guys like when they were questioning him he was like giving perfect answers like nice quick easy answers like i was like what where were those answers when i was asking questions it's just funny i'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking shit i'm just well, i think it was well, kind of funny well, i guess i am talking shit technically i am talking shit and i think but i'm just joking i still think vlad's cool well, okay i mean you know you can and you can and you can admire and admire his uh, his his line of questioning and how he does things with other people and still not agree with how he handled you. I mean that's that's a completely legitimate line of of repartee. You can have a legitimate criticism of Vlad. Vlad's man enough to say, ah, you know, I don't I don't always agree or feel good about the person I'm talking to, but you know. And he, I think he has a right to, to respond in the way that he will respond. I just think that we all need additional exercise, myself included. And I, I certainly don't speak for blog. But, um, but you know, I want to welcome or everybody who's, who's never been here before. Uh, I see Danny's here. I'm not sure if you've been here before. And I, I wanted to say thanks to everybody who's come to the program today. We are at almost an hour and a half so, um, to bring it back around. I think we're done pretty much done with censorship, like, like done emotionally and energetically with censorship. We really want it to kind of ride off into the, into the sun and never come back. Uh, does anybody want to contribute any final thoughts uh, on the veranda, veranda? Any of the other? I just wanted to say, I'll say shouts out to Danny for inviting me onto Dickie's room the other day. Like Danny tried to invite me up to speak like twice and Dickie was like, no. <laughs> so shouts out to Danny. And again, it's one of the women who are not afraid of me. It's all the men who are so afraid of me. The women have been the bravest ones when it comes to communicating with me, but all the men are running scared. And I find that in. It's your hair, man. Okay, Gregor, final thoughts? Um, you know, censorship starts in our minds, and I would encourage everyone to be respectful, but don't censor, don't try to be the don't try to be the gentle thought, be the true thought. Okay. And if you're speaking what is true, no one can conquer you. That's just, I don't know, that just came into my head. Um, I wanted to to uh, from from my last word. Oh, oh, yeah, go ahead. Is, from my last words, I would tell people: in life, you have to de develop thick skin. If you're gonna let any little argument destroy you, you're not able to defend yourself or get to you or get all emotional, then you're bad. You just you you know I think uh, Socrates said it: an unexamined life is not worth living. Maybe those words are for this generation, maybe you should cease to exist because life's going to get tougher. And the only way you learn is by engaging people. There's going to be beautiful, wonderful moments, and there's going to be shitty moments. And believe me, I always have to be ready 
when somebody's ready to crap on me, whether I'm waiting at the line for the DMV or pumping gas or whatever, there's always some asshole that gives me that look where I have to look look at them back like you got the wrong buster to buddy to 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 mess with, you know. So that's why I tell people in life you just gotta develop thick skin and there's things you, you battles you take up and battles you don't. Battle I, I try to stay away from other people's battles. In fact, I like to see people fight sometimes. I'm like, that's not my fight. I'm not there. That's not meant for me. I'm not gonna be, even be a peacemaker. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. I tell them, fuck that. Deal with your shit. Deal with it. Fight it. Fight it out. It's actually funny to see them. But you know, I know this forum. I've seen some guys already all politically correct out. I think it was Shadow. He came in the other day, and my dude, my 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 thing was, damn dude, talk about the biggest ass licking that he did on people. Trying to explain, you don't got to do that. If that was a youngster in his 20s, I was like, you don't got to do shit like that. Just be a man and talk like you're supposed to. And if somebody doesn't like it, well, screw them. <laughs> be a man, damn it. Grow up. Grow some. Grow a pair. You know? Shit. Well, it's, 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 it's you don't know what you're going to be like until you've, you've, you've been in some scuffles. And, and I think you got to at least test your strength to get in, get in the game. And then you realize what you're made of. Uh, and you're like, okay, I got a long, long way to go. That's why I'm humble, more humble than I used to be, uh, because I've gotten into some scope. Um, you know, there are people who who can who can duke it out and and play with you, uh, but it's also like tennis. You know, not everything is like a hard ball. Not everything is like boxing directly. It's subtle. It's a uh, it's like catching their shot. You know, some of these are slow burns, like they insulted you and you find out like two days later, oh my God, that was an insult. And that's bad. Um, so you have to kind of be, be on and understand and, and respond adequately. You, and there's these other things that are in, in politics, like, you know, oh, because he didn't respond in this way, he looks weak. You know what? Not, that doesn't speak for everybody. That doesn't always wash the same for everyone. Um, you know, just because someone doesn't respond necessarily, I think it's actually, you don't know what they're thinking. So there's a strong mystery to holding your fire. You don't know what it, you're really dealing with. Sometimes when people say, insult me directly, I'm like, that's ad hominem, and I just kind of blow it off. Other times, it, it feels really direct, like, you know, there, there's more behind it that that has has some kind of merit for them like they, they are really feeling this quite personally, you know, and they're attacking me, but it's not landing on me the way they want it to. Um, I'm supposed to be, you know, murderously hurt because of what they're saying to me. And, and maybe I'm not, or maybe they say something that's like a lot less challenging, but that's actually messing with me more. So, I mean, it just, it just depends you know, you really want to have a good argument and save, save it for, it's not really about you. It's about the content, right? So you want to make the focus like your idea and not the person. Now people will sometimes like it when it's about the person. They're like, oh, so-and-so burned that person. And they, they want it to be a little bit more like a boxing match. But the, where the most benefit comes from is where you've got somebody who knows how to argue properly. They make a good argument 
and the other person makes an equally good argument, and it's like watching a good so- soccer match. Both teams are winning, but someone wins better. So and I'm going to go to the comments before I get out of here. Um, so your purplepundit.com and your collective permanent band of scary old lands. Why is it like 13 dudes and one vicious PMC woman? Uh, Amanda, <laughs> Kawinky Dink. Uh, let's see here. Your collective permanent ban of sca- oh, oh, there it is. Well, you're not banned from here, Lance. I mean, we let you come on last week and you're like, I don't have anything to say. And then you jumped off. <laughs> and they're talking about Amanda from a different room. Everybody comes in here to defibrillate <laughs> their bad arguments. <laughs> and I'm always like, what happened? So, um, let me see here. Laura Flores says, I'm all the way down for either one at the end of my worst days. So stay stay in the game, Brady. Stay in the game. So I think that's going to wrap it. I, I think I've made my points. Uh, you know, pick your battles. Stay in the in the, the freedom of speech. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Uh, we'll be here on Saturday. This has been the Unsanctioned Citizen. Thanks for listening. Before you go, hit the subscribe button. Remember that callers are welcome. Subscribers can access Unsanctioned Citizen Podcast Archives at Substack, Automatic, iHeartRadio Podcasts, and Call In. Please stay in touch. We want to hear from you. Visit SheilaMDean.com.